Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters and I'm very excited today because I'm joined by longtime home educator Emma White who is also the mastermind behind Mark My Papers which is a very inspirational and um, sort of leading company within the home education sector and we're going to be talking about how to support your child if they want to apply to the very top tier universities so this is Oxbridge, Russell Group which is a term I really dislike but we will get to I'm sure in our conversation or any of the kind of top tier universities so today Emma and I will be having a chat about if your child does want to apply to these very kind of um prestigious organizations how to help them prepare what sort of thing to help them get used to so Emma thank you so much for joining me today and do tell us a little bit about yourself. Well I came to home education um, like so many other people really through uh, what went wrong really rather than what went right that was back in 2015 and home education came the best choice for my two younger sons who at the time were going into year seven and year five so um Looking back, that was a good thing because I had plenty of time before GCSEs to get it right, as best I could get it right. I have no teaching experience whatsoever, other than with horses. Um, And funnily enough, I applied many of the equestrian ways of teaching a horse to teaching the children, and it was incredibly effective, but that's a very, very long story, but but it does work. Um, We actually have um, a podcast series at the moment about how dog behaviorism and dog training applies to parenting. And actually, there is so much crossover uh, between a lot of this animal behavior and child behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you apply the same methods as teaching show jumping ponies, that's bizarre. It works. It really does. It's all about getting their buy in and getting them on side and reading what their their, um, sixth sense for, for understanding them rather than what they say, it's what you feel. And it, it's very powerful. So yes, um, because if a horse doesn't want to do it, you have absolutely no way of persuading it. Um, like yes, another long, a very long story. Yes, like a teenager. <laughs> so we started off and we, um, I had no idea how good they were um, because at the very beginning, I'd say we had managed to not get into several schools. The youngest, uh, when the time came, actually failed his 11 plus. Um, so. I'm, I'm explaining this because I want it to, to be clear that, that they were not geniuses. Um, this is a child who failed the 11 plus and then at 16 came in the top 8% for his NSAA and got a place at Cambridge. Um, I think that says quite a lot really about the 11 plus more than him. <laughs> um, so we had a remarkable and enjoyable journey from 2015 and now they're both at university, both at Cambridge. Uh, the elder one, history and modern languages, and the younger one, natural sciences. So you couldn't have a broader spread of subjects. Interesting, they're both very, very different to teach. And the younger one, when he when he was at school, it, I was quite aware that he struggled. And I'm just, just sort of encouraged him along. But he, he couldn't read or write at seven. Um, he, he did really struggle with it. And I was reading a book, um, by, I can't remember the name, Norman Deutsch, I think it is, who'd written a book called The, the um, Brain That Changes Itself. 
which about stroke victims. And one of the, the interesting things was teaching people to read after a stroke through um, through uh, tracing. So he loves Star Wars. So I said to his teacher at the time, he's very, very good. And we just trace instead of reading. Please don't keep pushing him through it because he's just not getting it. And he he really couldn't do it. So there's no point. He just learned to hate it and, feel, and, and be aware he, he was getting left behind. So we traced every Star Wars character every night. And he got really into tracing Star Wars characters and really loved it. So then about a month later, we picked up reading again and he could do it. Now, you could say he would have done it anyway. We will never know. Um, but he progressed and progressed. And I used to say to him, you have to read for 20 minutes every night while I'm cooking. You're not allowed out of my sight. You will read in front of me. And... Um, he became the most committed, brilliant reader I've ever come across. This is someone who went on to read 38 Shakespeare plays. He's read the Bible. Not that I would recommend him go and read the Bible. That was his choice because it's referred to in so many other parts of literature. And somehow I managed to um, create a, a, a love of learning that I can't understand exactly how. These were two kids who, like I say, failed to get into some very well-known schools, failed the 11 plus, and then suddenly we were running with it, with somebody who has no teaching experience, uh, no specialised knowledge. We had no, no laptops, we had no iPad, we had virtually no internet, because at the time we moved to the south of France, we were living very rurally. Um, and ironically, it was the best thing. There was no distractions. They got really into their reading, into the, to, to what we did. And it wasn't as if it was school. It, it bled into every facet of our life. We would be discussing what we were learning and we were all really enjoying it. And from that enjoyment, um, they kept finding a bit more, doing a bit more. Let's, you know, so I can't say, I, I, I think some people I talk to, wrongly think, I took them out of school because I thought they were cleverer than everyone else. And I'm very ambitious thought, yes, you're going to go to Cambridge. It wasn't at all like that. We just made it up on the hoof. Um, it put a lot of work into finding out what we needed to do. So behind them, I was like a big engine pushing them, but they were unaware of it, get, making sure we did it as, as best we could. Um, and there was absolutely no limit to how far they could go. And... Yes, you could say, yes, a good school would have achieved the same. But what really hit me last year, Ozzy, um, the older one, was doing history and modern languages at uh, Christ in Cambridge, and he um, he chose French. He speaks French anyhow. He grew up a lot of his time in France. He loved French literature. And when he got to do the course, he said, actually, I can speak French, and I'd rather rather use my time for something else. So he chose Hindi because he, during lockdown we'd lots, watched lots of Bollywood films, and he just said, "I'm going to teach myself." There was no, "Oh, how am I going to do it? What am I going to? I'm going to teach myself." So he went to speak to the postgrad department, and they said, "Well, you can join our Hindi course." And he's just come back from a month in India at the university's expense, studying the French influence on India. And I thought, what's remarkable here? is he utterly led himself. He he didn't need anybody to say, stand in front of him and teach him. He has the wherewithal from home education to say, right, I'm going to do it. Absolutely, no, no negativity, no, oh, I don't think I can, or how difficult it's going to be. Just, I'm going to make it happen. Um, and I think that that's one of the most huge upsides. So 
Yes, we aimed for the top, but only because it became apparent that they were capable. I would have been equally happy at the beginning. I mean, to be honest, I, 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 I didn't know how we would do, how, how many GCSEs they would, they would achieve. Um, eventually, we ended up with 18 GCSEs between them, 15 A-stars and three A's, and eight A-levels, all A-star. So, um, all self-studied at home? All self-studied, no teaching. Well, so obviously, they had the marking company to help them, but uh, Ernie in his A-levels got over 90% on every paper. And I think that's really good, considering he did, I always remind myself, he did fail the 11 plus, because people always say, oh, we'd have got that anyway. No, we wouldn't, because he would have lost his confidence. It's not about, and nothing is about ability. It's all about attitude and confidence. That can take you far beyond, um, well, anything academically. If you if you believe in yourself and you enjoy it, and um, we all got on side. We all looked at it as a very positive experience. Um, I personally, you know, there were subjects I didn't like at school, but I never let that bleed into what they were doing. I never said, oh, God, I hated maths, or I couldn't do this, or I couldn't do that. It was all, let's let's go for this. We're going we're gonna to really find something out. We made it all um, relevant to modern day life as well. So when they were saying to me, um, I say for English language, and we were looking at the difference between explicit and inferred meaning. And they said, well, I'm never going to do this in life. And I said, yes, you are. If you're a solicitor, you're going to read a statement and you're going to be trying to find every inferred meaning in there. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so they, they could then understand the relevance of everything we did. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of being an adult, going back to your GCSEs, it suddenly all makes sense that you're doing 11 different subjects, it's covering you know, history, geography, science, it makes up the whole world where we live, it's everything. And you suddenly think, oh God, yeah, I wish I'd known, I wish someone had pointed that out to me when I was 14. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a great journey. I've, I've really enjoyed it. But just my one regret is if I'd had the hindsight to know that we would have a good outcome, because as a mother, Sure, you found it yourself, Ellen. You've always got it in the back of your mind. Can I do this? Can I can I deliver for them all the opportunities they would have had if they'd been at a good school? And um, yes, we did. We managed to we managed to keep as many doors open as possible, and that, that was always my intention. So, you mentioned that you're not really sure, kind of how you created the success, you know, in your family, mm. but you've also mentioned you know, the importance of autonomy and them taking control of their learning, making mm. it relevant, um, and how important attitude and confidence are. And I also get the impression there was a certain amount of modeling in that you would sort of, you know, you would be reading, they would be reading, you would be working, they would be working, that kind of thing. So would you say that they are the cornerstones of of how you achieve that kind of learning success in your house? And you've got to keep it enjoyable. And they they knew I was there. They would say to me, I remember Ozzy because he was a little bit older and he he clearly realized I didn't know what I was doing. He said to me, Are we going to be are we are we going to get because he's always he's always been quite a stressful person. Because he went I remember when he was at school, he was always worried about how well he was doing or this. And I said, I hundred percent Ozzy, I absolutely don't know what I'm doing, but I will find out and I will make sure we're okay. You've got to get on side with me. We're going to do this as a team. I had a um a, a, a table, a, uh, 
only on my left and Aussie on my right. They're 200, 200, two and a half years apart, not 200 years apart. That would have been difficult. Uh, <laughs> but um, some lessons we did together, and obviously two, two years apart at school is quite a big difference, only gradually caught up to the point where they were sitting exams at the same time. So for geography, for example, uh, they did only well of Aussie was 14 when we did that. Um, so yes, it was all about encouragement and support. And I was like the bedrock of it. I have to say, I've read every GCSE text. I read all 11 textbooks we had. I've read, read every word of it. I've read every specification. I would be up till sort of three o'clock at night. I, I love reading anyway. And I think that, yes, you're right with modeling. And in the summer, um, a bit old fashioned, but we'd all sit down together um, and have a break and, 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 and read for an hour and have a cup of tea. And everything was done without that sort of um, the stress of school. It was all, if you want a cup of tea, get one. If you want a piece of toast, get one. It was part of life. If you know, There was none of this sort of rigidity of school. I did keep our lessons to half an hour each because I knew I'd never get through the whole day because I could talk for England and, and we'd just everything would merge into one. So I had to keep on top of that but everything about it was positive and they I, th I think yes it's modeling they they learned to be positive too to feel that they could come up with a solution and Ernie said to me I, I went they're both working in Cambridge over the summer I went there last weekend and Ernie said to me the one thing I miss about home education is teaching myself so I find it easier to self-teach I don't read I can find all this information out and I've got some brilliant lecturers but I miss the self-teaching. I thought I was really good. It's so often I get lessons from kids and they'll say to me, oh, it's very unfair for me. I don't have any teacher. My teacher's been off for two weeks or this. And I think you don't, you, you're mentally conditioned to be utterly reliant on a teacher. You have a brain, you have a book, you use your initiative, find your way a bit. It's easy to say that because I was like the, guiding them, um, keeping them, that they could rely on me to make sure um, I would do all the homework and all make, make the right decisions. And I remember with COVID, um, the exam entries were so complicated because we didn't know whether they were going to go ahead or not. So I had two centres in France where we'd entered and two in England. We didn't know where we'd be. We'd got Brexit coming up. It was a, a real juggling act. Um, and I couldn't let them fall through a gap anywhere. So we we had to really sort of think in detail. So, so a lot of it comes down to, to very detailed planning on the part of the parent and giving them a 100% positive ride as somebody learning something. Luckily, they left school before it, they picked up on too much negativity or too much, I can't do that. I don't think you can ever let them fail. I, think that's, I know life's full of things we get wrong and we fail. One of the good things about home education, you can do everything at the right time when they're ready. Um, so for example, we did geography, we found the easiest one to do sooner than it, probably because they were most interested. We'd watched that Alan Titchmarsh series, The British Eyes a Billion Years or Three Billion Years in the Making. And they were so into that, that led them into physical geography. Um, so they were both ready to do it very early. History on the other hand, the Edexcel history specification took three years. History. We did, we did enjoy it. I absolutely enjoy it, but it, it is massive. 
interestingly, the A-level only took us two years, so you can see that Edexcel GCS history is a whopper. It, it really is. And it's great, and it's really interesting, but um, I was no way going to enter the exam until they were absolutely ready for that. Um, and when it, it comes to... When it comes to autonomy, a lot of a lot of the assumptions around creating a child that is very autonomous in their learning. And like you said about your son who goes to Cambridge and misses that self-studying. Mm. A lot of the assumption, I think, in the home community is that that is created when you unschool. Um, but I don't get the impression that you had an unschooling approach. I know from my personal perspective, I, I'm not an unschooler. I'm reasonably structured, actually. And yet my son is is also very self-studies, everything like it. Very similar to you, to your son with with Hindi. My mm. son did German for GCSE, which was a big mistake on my part, actually, because he just loved the language. And I said, well, why not do a GCSE in it? And three years late, well, actually, a year and a half later, he was absolutely sick to death of the language. He didn't want to go any, anywhere near German again. But then six months later, he started teaching himself French just because he felt yes. like it. And he just and, and that's and yet we've had a very structured approach. And this idea that creating an autonomous learner is very much embedded in unschooling. But for you, it, it wasn't necessarily an unschooling approach you took, I'm guessing. No, we didn't. We had a very methodical approach. Um but I think it depends on your experiences of school, not only as a parent, but as, as a child. If you've had a negative experience of school, you probably think unschooling is the way to undo it all. We hadn't had a negative experience. They'd been at a very good primary school. Um, things just went wrong in our personal life, and this became the best solution. So they were, they enjoyed school. They they missed a lot of the social aspects of it at first, and I had to work hard to create new friendships and new clubs and everything for them. Um, so I don't think you have to unschool to get that, that autonomy. That came through constantly saying it, being positive, saying it was enjoyable. So, you know, we can't turn away from education because all these, all the subjects you learn make up the fabric of everything in life. Everything is science, everything is geography, everything is history. You need English to communicate, you need maths, you need all these skills. And they're all delivered through these these exams we do. I know there's a sort of, I meet home educators who convince themselves that a walk around the park is geography, that going into a shop and buying a cake is maths. You could argue it is, but if you want to go that bit further and have career doors open, then you, you have to, like it or not, exam qualifications, public exam qualifications are the tickets to conventional careers. You have to go to university to become a lawyer or an accountant. Um, so we kept it very very positive and um it was all about encouragement and support so we went with what you know if they found something interesting yes we would look into it but we we were mainly working towards gcses um so so in lots of ways you um you you allow you opened up the doors for your children to go to cambridge for example because at a very early stage in the process you had your eye on that you need to do GCSEs you need to get good GCSEs you need to do A levels you need to get good A levels and then you can apply to university so then you, then you, so you were kind of working back from that yourself as a parent well I didn't know I didn't for a minute think it would be good enough to get into Cambridge they'd certainly not shown any inclinations at school that they were of that level at all because I think it's all sort of cast in stone with schools very early on far too early on of who's going to pass 11 plus Who's going to apply for Oxbridge? It's nonsense. It's all down to attitude. It's not down to ability. If a child really wants to do it, they can. 
that you know you can encourage them to to really push a bit further. Um, and if someone is genuinely interested, you've had kids who are phenomenally interested in football because they enjoy it, and maybe their father or mother enjoys it. But you can then apply that to science, to other subjects, and get that same buy-in. And that's all all I did. You know, Ernie got really interested in astronomy. He had me out that night in the dark. So luckily, the South of France is very good for, um, for stars. Um, so we were out there, and we, we did the, the GCSE in astronomy. Um, and he still remembers it. He absolutely was really, really interested in it. And he got me interested in it. Um, I've been basically interested in it due to my father when I was a kid. But I, th I think it's it's all about a positive mindset. I don't think you need to enter school to get that autonomy. Um, you know, when I talk to the boys, they are very capable, which is brilliant, of choosing what they're going to learn next. Because um, Ozzy, Ozzy uh, interestingly, He's working for in, in Cambridge for the summer. Then he's got a place with a law firm, and there was two thousand applicants for sixty places. This Magic Circle law firm, and obviously he's not studying law, but he said, "I'll come back." And I said, "Well, how are you going to go on a course?" No, I'll just learn that. Um, I'll do that in my back pocket whilst I'm doing uh, my MPhil in history. And that I thought, well, that's interesting. Most people would not do that. He he would just say, "Well, I can do it." It's huge self belief that's come from constantly saying to them, you find it out. We have we, we'll, we have all these books. We had the very old fashioned approach because we didn't have the internet. We're going to have to make notes. Um, and that worked twofold. It made them very, very fast writers. So we've never had an exam where they didn't finish with uh, many, many minutes to spare. Um, they understood that there was a, a real big bind that they were going to have to read and, and find to take take a bit of control of their learning. I did my last lesson with Ernie. I remember we did the the last one to finish was the XLI GCSE English Literature. I did the poems with him summer 2019. And then he'd already started, though he was only 14 at the time, he'd started his A-levels in three sciences. And I said, I think you can manage with those on your own, can't you? You don't need me. And he said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. So he just tell me each week where you're up to. By now I was working with the business. It's really taking my time up. Um, and he did it. He just, just ran with it. So uh, you, you were there for check-ins almost to make oh, sure. Oh yeah, that... and then to check in by then. By 14, a home educated child should be able to, to self-teach. You, you're there with them all the time. So how are we going to find this out? How are we going to find that? And it was all about analysis and evaluation. And that's what I think was really good, discussing it with them. What do you think of that? Uh, at school, a lot of children won't give their opinion because they're probably not very confident in front of 30 other children. We get some really good debates going on, everything from the Weimar Republic to the reigns of King John and King Richard, constantly debating everything. Um, Make, making it really, in, well, I, I thought it was interesting and they clearly did too. I, I had a very funny internet, she was talking about my uncle, his wife leaving him, and I said, oh, Richard's wife left him. And Ernie said, no, no, he, no, she didn't. He was married to Berengaria. I think he what on earth are you talking about? Richard the first, first, I never left him. He said, no, I'm talking about Uncle Richard, Ernie, today, funnily <laughs> enough. This isn't, his, this isn't history. This is us. This is life in Leicester, um, so so get with it. But the, what <laughs> is 
<laughs> they immediately, they, it was all part of, of what we did. They didn't sort of leave, edu- you know, their schooling behind and then, right, we're now out of schooling mode. It was with I us think- all. I, I think discussion-based learning is so important. I think this idea that um, whatever they're learning about, you then talk about as a family. And and I find that particularly things like history, but also books that they've read, um, yes. science, for example, my son is is very big in big on science. I'm rubbish at science, so I get him to kind of explain it. Then we have a good laugh at how useless I am, and then I'm asking questions. Well, and that's a really good thing, Eleanor, because I'd say my um, Ernie was much better at science than Ozzy and I, and um, he he explained things back to us, which gave him huge confidence. I remember discussing Brownian motion and having a bit of a laugh about it, and said, "You need to take this seriously because one day you'll be at a dinner party, which they found hilarious, and you and and you somebody will mention Brownian motion, and you need to know what it is." And amazingly, a couple of years ago, we met one of our friends from Pony Shoshin from years ago, and he did mention Brownian motion. And Ozzy said, "Did you tell him to mention that?" And I said, "No, I didn't. he actually just happened to mention Brownian motion." Um, so. Because <laughs> it all became, you know, Ernie, you explain it to us then, you tell us uh, what it is. So he grew confidence and that was his little bit of authority. Oh, I know this. I know more about it than you do, Mum, which is great. So I think sometimes actually not knowing as a, as a parent is, is an advantage because you can let them lead you um, and, and gain that confidence. Schools are full of teachers who know more than their kids. That's obvious. That's the right thing, but as a it conversely works brilliantly the other way around. When a child has a bit bigger interest and in knowledge than the parent, and gains a bit of kudos for being able to tell you what they've learned. Um, I think also when it comes to uh, you mentioned about that home educated children by the age of fourteen should be kind of organising their own workload. Yes, and I know that when my son was eleven, I we were in on holiday in Cornwall, and I said to him, "Okay, this is when you would actually be going into secondary school now. So from now on, I expect you to organise your own workload." And he did that, and he and he sort of and he's been doing it ever since. My daughter, who is fifteen. Uh, when she we I didn't do this with I made an assumption that she wouldn't be able to organize her own workload because she's a different kind of person and so it got to about six months ago and we decided we were going to go the high school diploma route alongside GCSEs because much like you I, I feel that my job is to like belts and braces for everything like so so I have like contingency plans for everything so she's doing GCSEs and she's doing the high school diploma route and part of the high school diploma route was that she needed to organize her own work and I was quite nervous of this because I thought you know what I just if I say to her you decide you know these are the things you need to do this week these are the these are the subjects in history English etc and I thought if I just say to her okay you plan your lessons she just won't she just won't do them I thought she's just not going to do them so but I thought well look this is part of the high school diploma at least with the the kind of umbrella company we're using that they have to show that they're organizing their work so I said to her okay I got her a folder and I said you know these are the templates you need to every week you need to fill this out say what you're doing and then at the end of the week you need to evaluate it and see you know how you went 
And so she was, what, 14 or something. And I thought, she's not ready for this. She is not ready for this. And it's going to be a disaster. And she was brilliant at it. And she's really autonomous now. And I and I thought, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I trust her to do this sort yeah. of two years ago? And a lot of it is that you kind of don't want them to do badly at it. So you don't kind of take away that safety net. But actually, you do kind of need to trust that they that if you allow them that freedom and autonomy, they will step into the responsibility Absolutely. you're giving. Very them. gradual process. Um, they they sort of just um, morphed into being very very um, in control of their own studies. Ernie was fourteen. Ozzy would have been sixteen, but I think it depends on what age you start. So Ernie had been doing it since year five, and we'd got the sort of methods together. Um, there was a lot of, so the discussion, the reading, the taking notes, they realised, I made it very clear to them at the start, there are no quick fixes here. There's no magic pixie that's, that will make you know all this. You are going to spend a lot of time revising. We don't, you know, we don't have ed tech that can, with a projector, with this, with that, we don't have a photocopy. It's old fashioned. But really, um, I know ed tech's meant to make shortcuts to a good result, but to, to be able to get into Cambridge at 16, I think that is an incredibly shortcut. All through doing it the long way around, it's quite ironic that we, you know, we we got to the to the final date at sixteen, and um, he'd actually covered the content for six A levels, but I only entered four. But then he did start when he was young, because he'd started his A levels at fourteen. Um, we entered physics, chemistry, maths, and um, physics, chemistry, maths, biology those four he'd also done further maths and he'd also done English literature and the reason I kept up English literature um I wanted him to keep up his evaluation skills and his analysis skills so we'd read all these books he then started outpacing me reading more than me but we would take a book say never let me go or um Frankenstein and then we'd discuss them and analyze and evaluate and I would get him to write essays even though I never intended to enter him in the exam and we'd get them marked um and I thought that was quite a good skill for him because as he had gone into science at 14, I didn't want him to lose his writing skills. So that's actually leads me on to my next question, which is that we've we've spent the first half of this podcast talking about mindset and talking about how important it is, confidence and attitude and the values within the house, modeling, you know, making it enjoyable, making it relevant. So what about the actual sort of nitty-gritty about what to study and how to study because like you my son is doing four a levels he wants to do science and and he's sitting history as his fourth a level purely because a bit like you he he actually really enjoys it but it's that sense of keeping up his evaluative skills and his writing skills however I know that um, most universities, from what I can tell, don't want four A-levels. They want three A-levels. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, planning the amount of subjects you do and what subjects you do. So let's start at GCSEs. Is yeah. there like is there a, a golden number, which I, is what you know, the minimum you want or the maximum or anything like that? It's quite interesting because every website will tell you there's five. You need five. That's because they have to be seen to be inclusive. But that is the minimum number. You will be up against people who have 12. So I would go for nine. That's a good number. Most kids in school are doing nine or 10. Um, I would also try to keep it to the facilitator. It depends what what you're aiming at. If you want to do animal care at your local you're not going to need all these bells and whistles if you want to do if you want to go to a Russell Group University or Oxbridge you have to be 
um, very focused on the, the facilitating subjects. So they're English history, his, English literature, history, geography, the three sciences and the modern languages. You really need two of those. Yes, you only need three A-levels, but Ernie's thinking, Aussie did French history, geography, and he also did politics, but we stopped after an AS. Um, but they all supported each other. They were a good mix. Um, he was applying for history and modern languages, so he needed history and he obviously needed a modern language. Geography is a good facilitating subject. It, it also works well with politics, the human geography side of is, it. Is this A-level you're talking? This is an A-level. This mm -hmm. is an A-level. At, at GCSE, we did, I insisted with them that they did two sciences. Um, so they had to do a minimum of two sciences. They had to do English language and English literature and obviously maths. Um, we chose 11 subjects and they had to choose nine from it. So the 11 we would chose, uh, English language, English literature, maths, history, geography, French, physics, chemistry, biology, psychology, and astronomy. That's, that's what I was prepared to cover myself and they had to choose nine each. So Aussie chose French and psychology where Ernie chose chemistry and astronomy. So that kept me on my toes um, constantly. Uh, researching and, and you know com coming up with how we were going to do it and you uh, spread so those out over a number over, of years well for Aussie that was over two years years 10 and year 11 Ernie started years 8 9 and 10 he'd finished by year 10 um again he's obviously very very capable but he was pulled uphill by having an older brother and from a time point of view um as soon as he could be weaned off key stage three onto GCSE uh, we did cover all the key stage three, but I pulled him forward. And I said to him, I remember with biology, I said, it would really help me, Ernie, because I don't really have time to do this twice every day. Please just see if you can do some of these lessons. And after a couple of weeks, he was absolutely fine. Um, six months later, he was miles ahead of all of us. So, Was, so was this textbooks that you were using? So, for example, key stage three and GCSE textbooks? Just like I just bought the textbooks. Um, we did buy some secondhand, but you do have to be really careful because we were at the stage where the old legacy subjects were changing for nine to one. And I made the mistake of buying the old legacy uh, geography book. And then when I realised this was the, the one big mistake I made, I said to Ernie, we've got a problem here, Ernie, because we're learning from the old textbook. You've, the exam is in eight months time. If you don't do it, we're going to have to get the new textbook and start through it because it's quite hard when they overlap. They changed it from one three hour paper to two three hour papers. And I said to him, you're quite happy doing three, four, five hours of Lego without looking up. Why don't we try and do geography? Um, so he's 12. And he said he'd have a go. And he did have a go on the exam. He finished it in about two hours. And he spent most of the time looking around like this. And Ozzy said to him, after, well, you know, you're just annoying me, but just, just focus on what you, you do. You're ridiculous in that exam room. And then in the car on the way back, it what was really odd. He remembered every single question word for word and i thought god you that that's that's quite unusual that you remember them and then weeks later you could still remember them he, he, he's quite bizarre like that so he did them in years uh eight nine and ten nine gcse spread over three years then he did his a levels a year early did four a levels a year early but we had from year nine to to start on the three sciences at a level so for, G, for GCSEs, 
how they did nine each uh, yeah. over two or three years. So how many, uh, I know the reason I'm asking this is because I know people will be listening and want to know the answer to this. So yeah. how oh. many hours a week approximately did they do for these kind of yeah. for, for studying? Well, the, my basis for teaching them is they do two hours a day in key stage two, three hours a day in key stage three and four hours a day in key stage four. And I broke that down into half an hour lessons. If they wanted to That's do seven more, days a week. Or, no, only five days a week. We've had school holidays too. Okay. But, but you see, I think I think it's really, diff- really difficult. Like I said, geography was eight months. Um, history was three years. You don't know how, when people say, how long do you think it'll take me? You've no idea. And that's one of the hardest things as a home educator. And also one of the best things you don't know you, you have, may have a child who absolutely races through maths and can do it in six months. Another child may take four years. So just enter when they're ready. Now, I did really rush him through geography. He was capable and he did get an A. So you can't, you know, he's 12, fine, got an A, well done. Um, he always says to me, oh, mum, if you just waited another year, I would have done the new one and got a nine because he got nines and everything else. And I said, yeah, but it doesn't really matter, does it? And an A is more than good enough. So... Be, be satisfied. Um, so, but I don't think you can actually say how long it will take. We broke it down. We did um, eight half hour lessons a day by key stage four. Now, key stage five, they are probably doing the same, but a bit, bit more. And homework. So, say, say for example, I was teaching Aussie French. Um, Ernie would be revising astronomy. So, you've got to do half an hour of revision on it. And that way where um, the revision was embedded in the timetable worked really effectively for us. Because I say to them, I don't actually believe in homework. And I remember when they were little in school, homework was really more of a job for me. You know, they come in, they have to make a garden, a summer garden. Well, they weren't going to do that age six. That was my job. <laughs> um, so homework to me should only really ever be revision. <laughs> Just learn what we've done. And then we can move on to the next thing, but you need to know, have it embedded in your mind on your hard drive that you understand what we've done. So when um, it came to preparing for exams, you would, they would choose their subjects and then you would say, okay, you'll be sitting three or four this year. And yeah. then you would give them the textbook. You would say, okay, you've got like seven months to do the subject or two years to do the subject or whichever. And then you would say, okay, and I, the, you need two months before the exam for revision we didn't really I, I have no idea how long it was going to take to start with it with GCSEs I was there for every single word of it they only became autonomous when they started their A-levels but you have to remember that Ernie started his age 14 so he was on his own by age 14 Ozzy was on his own by 16 for Ozzy because he's a very different kettle of fish teaching Ozzy and much more stressful I did his first six weeks of A-levels in history and politics with him and the reason I did that, I didn't want, I, I wanted to get his first essays marked and make sure he got an A or an A star. I didn't want him to get a, a C or a, a B and because he would think that was failure. He would think, panic, panic, panic. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I, I worked with him. We broke every essay down into a nuanced, good, decent response. So saying, if you let a kid just go from GCSE to A level on their own, they can sometimes, you know, if it's a humanities subject, they can sometimes make a complete disaster of it because they think it's just about regurgitating information and a, a view that they probably learned from a textbook before. Saying, so, you know, you've got to try and put your own nuanced approach into this. 
Um, and as soon as he was getting good grades, he could then run with it. But I did have a, a hand in making sure so that he stayed confident that he got good marks to start with. And so it sounds um, like the process the process up to a levels was quite mm. time consuming from your perspective yeah, in as much as you sat next to them you had the yes. textbooks together you guided them through the text absolutely right through through to the end of their GCSEs. so saying that you know i very remember clearly doing those last um i think the 16 lxli gcse anthology poems and i really enjoyed it we loved doing that but i, I said to her only that's it then now you don't need me anymore um I'm always there and I'm there, there to guidance, but he didn't need me. You know, physics, chemistry, mathematics. He did do that. Say so he did the A levels with me, but that was more of a discussion thing. A level literature. He he could um, he would say to me, right, well, let's both read Frankenstein. Let's read Never Let Me Go. Um, and which other ones? He did Handmaid's Tale. We, we read, he read all of them off the whole specification. I sort of ran out of energy a bit towards the end of that, um, but. That was that was simply to keep his his ability to analyze and evaluate that, which I thought was really, really important. Um, and then when we started looking towards Oxbridge, God, that was that was a big thing from home because there's so many little tiny strands that you have to address. You have to do different exams, you have to do the NSAA. Ozzy has had an ass interview history exam, an ass interview French exam. Um, and again, we prepared for all of those. And we did it months in advance. Now, you mentioned earlier about getting a bit of, of past paper fatigue. Uh, Ozzy would never get past paper fatigue. Ozzy could do them every day of his life forever and be loving it. Ernie, when it came to his science papers, we never actually did a biology past paper for uh, paper three at A-level. He never bothered. He, he, he was happy doing less. So you're teaching them each to their strengths um Aussie so when it comes to oh. sorry so when it comes to the a levels so for gccs you you think about nine and pretty core cool subjects so it's kind of similar to the kind of things they would do at school for example english lit yeah. a lot of home educators don't do that but it languages is, as well so you, you would kind of thing. slightly map to the more conventional GCSEs. yes i would and i'm thinking i was taking the skills from each one i think literature is really good for analysis and evaluation, and also good for seeing, takes um, like an inspector course. We got really into it. We watched the other um, Priestley plays, Dan um, Dangerous Corner, Time in the Conways. I remember really trying to understand his sort of social and political reasons for writing what he did, sort of really getting under the skin of it. And we'd have huge discussions about it. Um, so I say, you know, if you do want to do law, and interestingly now at the moment, Ozzy does want to do law. It's really good for um, analysing different approaches, different values, coming up with a different perspective on things. It's, well, it's only a very basic level. It's GCSE, but it's the beginning. It's the embryonic stage. So is history. So I think you have to think beyond the content, what skills are these subjects bringing to me that I will use in a career? Now, this Or, or possibly need later, right? Possibly need later. Mm. You don't know what career you're going to have. I mean, Ernie started out going to do medicine. We knew everything about medicine. Um, then he changed and he, he decided he wanted to do biochemistry. He couldn't apply to Cambridge for medicine too young because I think you have to be 18 legally to, to study medicine. Um, and at the moment, when I spoke to him last weekend, he said he'd been to Canary Wharf, walked around the Shard, 
decided he's going to work there. He wants a job now as an investment banker. This may only last a few months and he's going to teach himself economics. Um, so he's changed at chemistry, physics and maths. Um, but he has all those underpinning skills that he learned in those GCSEs to be able to change his mind. That's what it's about. Yeah, that I think that's... That's what he can build on, the skills he learned in analysis, evaluation, um, understanding, writing to argue, writing to persuade. We've, we've learned all that. So if he wants to change his mind, that's great. Every door is still open. That's what I, I always feel as a home educator, that my job um, is to open routes for them that they may not want to take, but are opened because Absolutely. of things that we've done together. That's, a, that's exactly how I saw it, that they don't know. And you ask a, a young person what they want to do. Uh, that's a, when I was 10, I wanted to be a jockey. You know, I'm ridiculous. I look like, how oh, silly, stupid. <laughs> so they will change their minds. You know, Ernie, we've gone from medicine to biochemistry. Now it's investment banking. He will change again. But luckily, he's got the foundations of lots of skills. Um and he's got the capacity to teach himself to change his mind. And that's what it's always about, keeping op options and opportunities open. And I think one of the downsides of home education, partly due to cost, where it is expensive to enter all these exams, you're constantly chopping away at it to say, right, well, we'll just do five then, or we'll just do two. You only need English and maths. Some even say, well, you don't need English and maths because you can go to college at 16 and do it then. You can't. It, you know, saying to kids, do it later in life, that's making it their expense, their time. When you know, when you're sort of a young adult and you've got your first job, and then you think, well, I now need to get some GCSEs. Well, you feel like a bit of a misfit because you're a bit left behind because all your other friends have passed through. So it was always, I felt my responsibility was to equip them for later on in life with, with the basic skills they'd need to be able to make their own decisions. And so far they have. Um I'm I'm happy with whatever choices they make. They're in a good place. They've got loads of opportunities open to them. And uh, we've had to work really hard, though, to to keep those doors open. And I think there is a, a, a moment, there's this sort of um, misconception that because you're home educated, and because it's harder for you, and it is harder for you, it's definitely harder for you if you're home educated, that in itself is enough. And you can turn up at these universities with a portfolio or just five GCSEs. And I think way that used to be the case, actually, maybe sort of 10, 15 years ago. I'm not sure it's the case anymore. Yeah, it's absolutely, I mean, Ernie for Cambridge, because he was doing four A-levels, I was thinking, um, he's young, he clearly interviewed well, he'd come in the top 8% in his NSAA. I thought they'd give him a better contextual offer. The normal offer was two A-stars and an A, and he was offered three A-stars and an A. Um, and he did right. it. It's fine. And I and he He's said he's actually offered a, a harder, one, harder grade, mm. a harder mark because he was doing four. They weren't going to let him off on one and just give him an E in one of them. And he said to me, "Well, to be honest, if I don't get four A stars, I don't think I'd probably keep up anyway." Well, he, I'm sure he would have done. But he, I thought, well, that's the right way to look at it, rather than oh, that's unfair. Why have they made it harder for me? And the same with Ozzy. He, the normal grade was an A star and two A's for history and modern languages, he had to get two A stars and an A. He had to get an A star in French. Um, Was so that because no they were home educated, do you think? There was a sense they needed to prove I, themselves? I think, I don't know. I, I, I just think it was at the time of COVID for Ozzy, not for Ernie, Ernie had to sit proper exams. But I think because the grade inflation was so ridiculous, 
uh, you know, 45% of the country got A star and A, which basically says 45% of A-level results were good enough for Oxbridge, which we all know is nonsense. Um, they probably raised the bar a bit just to make sure um, that that may be the case. And he did get an A-star. And I, I, I know if he'd taken the exam officially, he would have got an A-star then. He, he was particularly good at French. should be. He grew up there and he's mad about literature. So um, the, the only downside of growing up in foreign countries, you, you tend to use your more colloquial local language. It's a bit of like if I analyzed said what I've been speaking to you now, have I used the subjunctive? Have I used the past historic? Have I used the perfect absolute? I haven't got a clue. Um, so I was always saying to him, try and remember your 28 grammar techniques at Aussie um, and make sure they're fitted. But so yes, they, they did want an A star in French from him. They were adamant about that. So what about applying to Oxford and Cambridge? What mm. is the what are your tips for going about that as a home educating parent? Right. Well, first of all, I'd start by going to see both of them because with both they were both set on Oxford until we visited Cambridge, and then they both thought Cambridge was a nicer place. Um, be really in you seriously. You've got you're going to be spending three years plus there, so you've got to like the town. You can't not like either of them. They're both fantastic places. Look at as many colleges as you can look at the course the most important thing is to find the course that's right for you that you are genuinely 100% interested in it's not about whether you really just want to be in a nice place for three years you have to and you have to be really um focused on every aspect of the course every element to look at what's covered in the three years and when you come to write your personal statement make sure it addresses those areas of the course that you find interesting what about your home education in the personal statement? Is that something well, that you should be discussing in there? Yes, it, it does, but only, only where it's relevant. It's not like a badge to say, um, I, I think you can, you have to deliver it in such a way that it has given you a grist, an understanding, a motivation, a self, a, an ability to self-study that you probably wouldn't have had. Always. And as a result of this, I have read this book, I've done this, I find this part of the course particularly interesting because of this which from your home education. So you're blending it in. You're not just making a profound statement, I'm home educated, um, hark at me, sort of thing. It's got to be blended in to your argument. We spent months on personal statements. I think there's a there's a bit of a tendency to try and say, oh, I'm brilliant and, and I, I'll contribute because I'm really good at, I also enjoy netball and I enjoy this, this, this and this. That may work for other universities, but for Oxbridge, they're only interested in your academic ability. Yeah, I've also heard that, for example, my son was mulling over doing physics at university and he's currently off in Thailand learning to scuba dive. And I, I think I mentioned to his physics tutor, I said, oh, you know, that will look good when he's applying for physics. And she says, I'm like, they don't care about anything that isn't to do with physics. They only care about physics. If it's not about physics, they're not interested Absolutely. in it. Mm. Did you normally applying to five? Now, Ozzy applied for five and he got five offers. He, he did Cambridge, Durham, Bristol, Kings and Warwick. And we were aware that the other four are probably less bothered. So he did have one closing paragraph and he cleverly puts it that he plays the piano to a very high standard. And he, when we were in France, he was playing it. Um, sort of, he'd, he'd go around to soirees and evening. <laughs> Can Ozzy come and play the piano? And he was invited to play it for the, the funeral of the um, director of music, head of music for Sony classical music, German person we knew which was a real honor to be to be invited so I said well you can include that 
because it shows you're of a level and it was in France, but you wouldn't have mentioned it if it hadn't been because you were in France and you were wanting to study history in French. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, He'd also had work experience with a law firm in France and um, a a law firm in Preston, criminal law firm. And we included those two. He wasn't applying for law, but he'd said long-term he would like to study law. So they therefore became relevant because they are a bragging point, but you have to very cleverly put it in in such a way that it applies to to why you want to be there, why you've chosen that course, why you've chosen that college. Are personal statements as important as the grades that you get when it comes to Um, Oxbridge and Russell Group or or do do the grades get you to the stage where they're reading your personal statements? They're both really important because if it comes to a head to head with another student bear in mind the standard so there's five applicants for every place if they want a reason not to take you they'll compare your personal statement and say well this one i just slightly prefer so every single aspect of your application has got to be really really good you 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 have to put as much effort into it as if you're doing an a level or a gcse it's not something you suddenly decide like oh i'm going to apply for i don't know um a plot on a caravan site this this weekend really take take months to do it um so your your personal statements ought to absolutely nail the um the reasons you want to go on that course do lots of extracurricular reading i know ozzy read 28 extra books on politics history and, and, he, and he mentioned those in the personal he statement. mentioned he mentioned the relevant ones he was interested in the uh the, the big men of history uh, hitler stalin he'd, he'd read tons on those and he he wanted to be inter- interviewed by chap called professor david reynolds um who he'd, he'd read lots of his books he didn't say well, i've read your books but luckily he was interviewed by him um, he'd chosen his college, he'd done lots of homework, saying that none of this is left to chance. If you begin to read through the lines of what I'm saying, we mm. put in tons of work to get it right. We left no one stone and time. There was a one in five chance, you know, four in five chance that they wouldn't get a place. But you can reduce that by, you, you would be amazed. We help some people who've got in and you think for, right from the start, you've not done your homework here. Another one I think you need to be really careful which homemaker educators do, Cambridge is still, CAIE are still offering the ASA level option. So you'll do an AS in year 12. Unless you're going to get an A, which is the highest grade at AS, don't do it. You mean because, the modular, the modular yes, one where modular, you split because, it between the two they years? Will, if you get a B, that utterly wipes out your chances. You be, unless you're pretty certain you're going to get an A, you don't want a B on your application form. At so, AS, you mean? At AS. Mm. For the rest of the exam boards are no longer doing them. Um, so if you get an A, it's an advantage because you've got half an A, a level that other your competitors haven't got. But if you get a B, that's not good. So I'd say Even though it shows development, so you went from a B, say, to an A for your second year, they don't like well, that, no? Well, I think, I think, yes, but you won't have your second year results yet. That's oh, the thing. Oh, I see, because of... Now, actually... This leads me to my next question, because I was actually going to ask you about that, because my son, for example, is taking a gap year because he wants to sail around the world, you know, as you do when you're home educated and think you can do anything you want. And and one of the bonuses, I think, is that you have your results when you apply. I'm guessing with your two boys, it sounds like they applied before they had their results. How do you go about that without predicted grades? Well, we because of the exam team, we've got over 300 examiners working with us on my papers. I chose two. And I chose, um, they were both 
uh, heads of departments at leading schools who had been to Oxford and Cambridge themselves, who knew the exact process. They also knew the speech pattern. There's a there's a way in which they talk in these in these um, references that is very different to how you would say it if you if you didn't know. They knew the speak. They knew the buzzwords, the buttons to press of the admissions team and what they're looking for. Now, uh, any ordinary person, ordinary teacher doesn't know that, that sort of closet language between them. Say it's not closet language between them. You just need to explain that this person is top, top, you know, compares highly with his other cohorts, um, saying all the things they want to hear. Now for Ozzy, Oz, because he was pre-COVID, um, I got about seven references together from, from the person he did piano with, from the two law firms he'd worked with. Uh, we've got one for French, we've got one for geography, and I gave them all to one academic referee and said, blend these into what, what you're doing. And um, did the academic referee know him? Yes, that's another point. For the last year, he spoke to him once a month as a mentor, discussing, trying to, and every time it was like a Cambridge interview, pushing him, testing him, trying to, uh, not teaching him, but challenging him all the time. To prepare um, him for the interview and also him. allow him to be a reference, ultimately. Yes. yes, so he knew him well. He'd worked with us for a long time. Um, he's a principal examiner with OCR and CAIE. Aussie was doing CAIE history. Seriously, um, good, you know, Oxford himself had a head of response for top school and really, really good at saying to Ozzy, well, I disagree with you on that point. What about this? And then Ozzy saying, well, actually, um, it's quite interesting with the, the exam because you, um, with the interview, you, you may disagree with what they're saying. You, you, you're not there to fight an argument. It is fine to change your mind. Now, you may make a statement in your interview and then you feel you've got to defend it, got to defend it. But he taught Ozzy, no, you can change your mind. But make sure you show, speak your thoughts, show them how you're thinking, show them, show them why you changed this policy. But the same with for Ernie. Um, I found one of our examiners, chemistry examiners, um, studied natural sciences himself at Cambridge, knew the course, recommended uh, how best to approach it for Ernie. So we worked with him again once a month, Ernie would speak to him. So that was a huge advantage in having marked my paper behind because I could choose from 300 examiners which ones were the best match to help them. There, but they didn't have lessons, they just had mentoring. And can um, our parents who are listening to this um access the same kind of service through your company? No, we don't we don't offer it because all our examiners are anonymous. We don't offer it to other people, but we work with a company called Uni Admissions um now for Cambridge and Oxford, where we hand them over to them because they are particularly uh good at it. I think that one of the problems with home they really do need to be aware that it. It, it is such a detailed, you've got to be very fastidious to approach. In some ways, I think, Ozzy said to me the other day, I think we over-prepared. But what he's actually doing now, and this may be interesting for you, he's uh, JCR president of his college, which is um, that sort of senior man, they call it, of, of his um, college. And he put together a webinar, I don't know if you're aware of it, for home-educated applicants to Christ. And they had 40 people um listen he's going to do some more which really good talking through the whole process and how he found it he's also writing articles from my papers blogged on the 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 journey he had from his a-levels to getting into cambridge and how he found it and the social side and 
adapting to suddenly finding himself at university when he'd been home educated by his mum and you're either state or private school educated and he was neither mm-hmm. and actually it's quite funny because he's um climbed very quickly to the top of the pile he said I felt actually quite mature amongst them in a lot of ways yeah, <laughs> I he, bet, yeah. been, most of his community was adults um he did have other children who were friends in France but most of his day-to-day interaction was adults and he very quickly um, took control. That sounds awful, doesn't it? That sounds like he's um, you know, <laughs> occupied Cambridge. Uh, no, he 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 he, he, um, he had the the confidence, I think. And people home edu- people who are not in favour of home education would be astonished at this. For both of them, adapting from home education to university, they've had absolutely no issues with it at all. Um, from being home educated they both have lots of confidence both think they're as good or better than anyone else um probably got to learn their place a bit there but that's a good thing that they don't feel oh I don't fit oh I'm a fraud um that that's been been hugely important but I just say to anyone applying get on the website look at every college put them put the hours in attend as many webinars as you can for different colleges keep re revisiting it am i doing the right thing is this college right for us is this course right for us are we genuinely interested am i really going to be able to put the personal statement together say that i've absolutely live and breathe chemistry um and if and i'm guessing i'm guessing the same applies to to top universities that aren't Oxbridge. So what, what we call Russell Group, which I like, I, I really dislike, but but just this, just like top tier universities, I, I'm guessing the same approach applies. You research the university, yes, you look I at think, the course, and then you choose. I think with, for everything in home education, my approach, and I think, again, this comes from producing horses, you have to get everything right to be successful, right from looking into a GCSE to choosing a university, whether it's a Russell Group one, or even if you're doing animal care at the local college, look into it, make sure it's right. You've got, you get one life, give it your best shot, put in lots of detail. I think I was regularly up till three o'clock at night, reading specifications, trying to find the right mix, seeing whether the, if we're going back to GCSEs, was the Cambridge board right for them? Was the Edexcel board right for them? What would fit their strengths? Yeah, in actual in actual fact, it's it's one of my kind of bugbears um, when people sort of um, attribute my children's success, academic success, to luck or just like I don't know, natural giftedness. And I really want to say, no, like I spent hours and hours and hours comparing all the specifications, printing them all off, and going onto every kind of Google site and every Facebook group to double check and triple check everything. And it's a lot of work as a parent, and you put it in from very early on, don't you? You put it in and and you have to, you have to be meticulous. You have replaced every role at a school, teacher across 11 subjects. You're the exams officer, you're the pastoral care, you're you're everything. You look at these school websites and they'll have 150, 200 staff. It's all you. And you've got to take them from key stage two or three right through to Cambridge. You are it. So there are no shortcuts. And I just make it clear to the boys, the time will go anyway. If you've got to do it, because you know, I set up this business halfway through and people say, well, how did you find the time? And I said, well, I, I, I get up early and I, I go to bed late. So I, I found the time. It's there. The hours are there in the day. Just just get on with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 really, I completely agree. There is no shortcut for a, an active parent who who plans meticulously yes. and, and, and thinks ahead. When actually, in fact, one of my one of my favorite moments from my my son's home education journey so far was he sat his 11th GCSE um last the summer before this last one and I got him a cake with two yeah. number 11 candles on it wow. and I lit it and he blew out the candles and he plucked one of the number ones off and he gave it to me and he said you deserve at least half of the recognition because you've <laughs> done all the driving all the planning all the logistics and and it is so true it it, it is it is very much a, a collaborative effort isn't it and I wish people would realize that before they came into it I don't think they realise. And people say, certainly the same, Eleanor, for me. People say, well, you know, you're lucky. They were just bright. And I think I, I worked endlessly to to achieve this. And with the business, I worked day and night trying to get it for, you know, we're now in 35 countries that offer um, the English curriculum. And we're marking with countless, you know, we're mainly big UK state schools. It's become a huge operation. Yeah, you've expanded into schools. Oh, I know when, when, when I well, first used your business. They came to really? us and they flocked to us. That was brilliant. They, you know, we we uh, we've got this fabulous team of examiners. Three hundred. It's growing all the time. Uh, they have to be approved. They have to have marked officially, and they have to be, beyond that. The working ones all year. They have to be really in, committed to it. They're not just saving up for a wedding dress or a wedding cake. And they they are, um, on the whole, older people who've marked for examples for twenty plus years, um, and they 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 get the ethos of what we're trying to do. That we're trying to improve grade, you know, teach welfare, to take the burden of teachers. But just coming back to the, the point you mentioned as a, as a home education parent, I went to an open at Cambridge and I sat the parents' um, seminar on what we were going to learn. And the overriding question, it comes up time and time again, and Ernie did an open day the other day at Pembroke College, and he said, it's unbelievable, Mum, the same question comes up time and time again. What's the easiest college to get into and what's the easiest course? And the answer is, they are all incredibly difficult. And unless you prepare to put the hours in, just don't go near it. it. You know, you will not do this on a wing and a prayer. And it's the same for every aspect of home education, right from key stage two up, you've got to get really behind it. Um, if you want comparative results that they would have got from going to a top school. I, I, and the material you're working with, they are hugely gifted capable children or children saying in our case who haven't got into good schools it's all up to you um and it became our whole family lived and breathed the journey <laughs> so and i'm sure clearly it's the same for you you've done 11 GCSEs with one child yeah although what do you think is a medal well yeah i know i really do when i got half a half a candle so that's pretty you good <laughs> I got invited to the top table at the Christ uh, dinner as, as I was his JCL president, and I sat there amongst all these parents on the top table next to the um, Lord Simon MacDonald of Salford, and I thought, this is the icing on the cake that I've actually, I never thought in my wildest dreams that we would, I would achieve, help us help achieve it. I'm not taking all the credit, they worked incredibly hard too, but it was a massive team effort. And I'm really pleased to speak to you who sees it the same way, that doesn't just think, oh, weren't you lucky? Um, and an another people say, oh, you know, they probably just took pity on you because you're home educated. Uh, yeah, that's a horrible thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but you get you get that, don't you? And and then, they, you know, they got really good uh, marks this year. They're, wait, they're waiting for their 
because of the teacher strike, um, the, sorry, the lecturer strike, they're waiting for their grades from the summer exams, but they've had first in their run-up. I thought, well, that's not because they're uneducated. We, we, it sort of sounds like I'm really trying to prove a point, doesn't it? I'm not trying to prove a point, but you do get these people say, oh, you know, they will have sympathy on you because you're home-educated. Yeah, that that doesn't exist anymore. I think I think it perhaps it did 20 years ago or 15 years ago when it was more of an ideological choice and it was much rarer. But I think now we're because so so many more people are pulling their children out of school because they're they're struggling with the school system is that there there is now a sense that perhaps people who are home educating are ones that aren't able to keep up and aren't able to sort of like deal with the academics in school, even fundamentally not really true. That's that's actually quite unusual for a child to be pulled out of school for academic reasons normally yeah. it's it's the kind of emotional onslaught of school but n- there's there's no doubt that the whole community now is sort of like sort of like that there's a there's a sensation of what home education is that wasn't there sort of 15 yes. years ago yeah you all have seen it. i've seen it massively change in the last five years and some some of it is quite worrying because i think some parents come in it's almost like a lamb to the slaughter they they think they're signing up for something um, and it's probably a little bit of a different beast to what they they think. Yeah, I actually did a podcast with a new home educator who's my co-host who's been doing it a year about preconceptions of home education and then actually the reality of what home education is. Uh-huh. But one thing I wanted to come back and, and mention is that this idea of, of collaboration and that it's not enough just to be a pushy parent who decides, OK, my child wants to do my child is going to go to this university or do this because I know for a fact from my from my perspective I pretty structured home educator reasonably controlling in as much as I wanted to open as many doors as possible my son turned around when he started doing his a-levels and he wanted to do history uh history physics maths and marine science um, because you couldn't decide between doing physics or marine science at university and I said look you really need to do further maths and he really didn't want to do further maths and he said you know I just don't want to do it I'm going I don't like maths that much and it would really be unenjoyable for me and I said you are shutting a lot of doors if you don't do further maths and he said you know what I'm okay to have those doors shut I just don't want to do further maths because I will not enjoy the next two years of my life if I'm studying further maths. And and so I was like, okay, that's fine. Like if if that's the balance, that's okay. It's interesting with Ernie going back to that because he did further maths as an extra, but we didn't sit the exam. And he did say to me the other day, he's glad he's done it because he's now going to change to physics and you do need it for physics and maths at university. So he he was, was glad about that. But I absolutely agree. If they're really not enjoying it, then and it's not for them just you know you're always shutting doors I said to Ozzy when he dropped chemistry for GCSE I did say that means you will never be a doctor you do realize that don't you and he said I'm fine with that I don't like blood anyway I said well yeah I don't think being a doctor is all about blood but but I but just just bear with me and then he said well I could probably go back to it when I'm older so if I don't get into Cambridge this when he's applying I might go back he said later I'll go back and do my chemistry GCSE and I said well that's a good good thought because he wanted to do chemistry in German as if, if it went wrong I said well that's really good and you can always teach yourself later but I'm not really in favor of saying to children you can go back to this later because as time goes by all of us we get onto this treadmill of life and it's very hard to go back and do something that would have been easier and cheaper than than doing it as an adult um but i think if somebody's really struggling with a subject 
absolutely find find another one that they enjoy. You know, we can't all do everything. We can't all be, um, you know, a rocket scientist and a lawyer. We can't. Some people can't, but most of us do have skills. You have to play to those, but you're constantly nudging at them. Just just try this because you may be better at it than you think. And one of the the very interesting things about the way we did it, um, splitting GCSEs really does give you time to focus on the ones you do find harder. And in a relaxed way, you know, cup of tea, piece of toast, we're now going to do maths or we're going to do physics, we're going to do the one Aussie found difficult. And some of them, like history, unexpectedly take a lot longer than, than oh, you would think. Yeah. And others are very I short. Like... I would have done it over and over again. My, my kids for my birthday put me, we did medicine. Now, the first three for paper one, I think you can do is it his, uh, medicine, um, crime and punishment, and warfare. And they we did medicine and then they bought me the uh, crime one as a birthday present. I thought it was an odd birthday present. It was really good and I read it in a couple of days. I thought, yeah, I wish we'd done this one now. So they, they're lucky in a way that they had me I was up for any of it I was really yeah let's let's learn that let's try this and always saying to them you might find it difficult you probably found it difficult at school but home education is a very different environment and you know there's no teacher to be frightened of there's no homework to, to give in there's no other people there who you feel uncomfortable saying something in front of um you you'll have a totally different perspective but just remember as a parent it's really hard work hmm. Yeah, and I think that I, 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 if anyone listening, I'm hoping the one thing they've taken from this podcast is that it's parent heavy. You know, if oh, you want yes. your child to yeah. to really fly academically, you have to put in the hours as a parent, yes. not just to help them out during during their learning, but more more importantly to create that framework within You're which they can. It. You're the manager mm. of the whole thing. You are running the school effectively. So although by fourteen only was self teaching. I was still um, making sure he did the right thing. You know, it was a case of, are you going to do ethics, cell biology, A, salt, uh, the salt is in a fill or the B? Which one's best for you? Let me read through them, which suits your strengths. And I'm prepared to put those hours in, but a lot of people say, you must be joking. You're not going to read all of that. No, well, I did. And I would say as well that even if you have tutors, uh, we my son has tutors for a couple of his A-levels, maths and physics, and even those, I double check the specifications. I I make sure I know where he is. I'm mailing the tutor to say, like, is he up to date? What more do we need to do? Does he need to do any extra? You can't just sit back. And I think there's a sometimes you see um, that people sort of think, oh, I can just put them on Khan Academy or I can just, you know, sort of like put them on into an online, you know, like a two pound tuition yeah. hub and set, settle back and my job is done. And that's absolutely fine if you're not really that fussed about what grades yeah. they get. But if you want um, like A stars and nines, you do need to be on it, don't you? We do, we do tend to find also on that point you just made. Um, some you do really need to, to be have the tutor be on the wing there because we've had instance where a tutor has merely taken a child through edX LA level history and then found there's the NEA element. And if you're part of an organization like tutors and exams or one, you know, also one of the big providers, fine, you can enter, but you can't enter independently because of the NEA. And the coursework, yeah. Yes, the coursework. And they'll come to us and say, Can can, can you mark it? And I say, I can give you guidance on what you've written, but we don't know if you've written it, so we can't give you a mark. You can't submit what we're giving. We don't know who's been involved in it. We don't know how authentic it is, and we will not put our name to something we don't know is authentic. Um, and the same, even at low level, AQA, GCSE, English language, 
kids fall out of school in year 10 or year 11 and their parents who don't touch any of our groups because of the group the good thing with the home education groups you and i are on people ask questions and get sensible answers mostly but those who don't ask questions or don't know that it's even a question worth asking you know the unknown unknowns will merrily think they can do aqa english language from home and then they can't because of the speaking elements and, and their this tutor, is actually their tutor thinks they can too because yeah, and actually education is such a minefield of what you mm. can and can't do we actually have we we have a rule in homeschooling uk where we actually don't allow any adverts for english language gcse just because it was so confusing because i know that you can and some tutors and exams and la 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 but it is but realistically we were getting tutors advertising for english language gcse and if you are one of these kind of parents who lurk in the group and maybe don't ask the questions you see the adverts and you think oh okay my child can sit that and then we have to go on to every single post and say well you can can but it's difficult and then the the spoken bit will count as a fail or at least it will look like a fail and it's it's, it's, it's a, it's a nightmare. process it's a real nightmare so what i'm saying is not every tutor is fully conversant with what you can do as a home educating child and it you know the book stops with you take ownership you you're in charge you've chosen to do this you might regret it I didn't I've absolutely loved it but there's times you think oh my god I didn't know this I didn't know that so you're constantly having to read ahead ask the right questions read as much as you possibly can and if somebody posts a question on Facebook read all the comments so that you're a bit more informed then do your own research exactly and then double check it yourself double check double check and you know we had a, a few incidents this summer I don't know if you read the post where one person I don't know how they came up with this but they thought all their exams would be on the same day at the same center so they so they bought two hours away stayed in the premiere inn or something and then realized they'd got to go back nine times um, <laughs> um there's there's you know another poor girl had got the old geography book and she bought a secondhand book and people saying oh that's fine you'll be fine I said no the case studies you've got were written in 2008 it's 15 years ago human geography changes a lot over 15 years so you need the new book um it's just those sort of things you're not asking the questions there's a whole unknown unknown thing out there yeah. so it's up to you to research so I hope I've not put anybody off um, because because it's been a very rewarding journey, but it's hard work. It, it's fantastic, but put the hours in. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you just before we finish is about applying to European universities or global universities. Um, I know that because of the tuition fee issue in mm. in England, that a lot of home educated students who are perhaps also, I know for a fact that my children have traveled a lot and you, your children were brought up in France. And there is that sense, I think, amongst a lot of home educators that the world is smaller, you know, because we, we yes. sort of lived in different countries. We've had that freedom. So what is the process if you want to apply? to some of the top European or worldwide universities? Is it the same kind of approach? To be honest, I don't know. I think you'd have to, the only time we did, we looked at Paris, um, is it PSL for Aussie and Strasbourg, but we didn't take it further than contacting the university because with the whole Brexit issue, um, there were further complications and costs anyway. So we we sort of put that on side. My advice would be contact the university and whatever they tell you, get it in writing. Um, and I say that because... Um, another issue, but with science practicals for Oz, Ernie, even for Cambridge, one college told us we didn't need the practicals and then later told us we did. 
And we did do them anyway, because I'd always said, I'm not going to fall down this trap only. We're going to have to do your science practicals. He was up for it anyhow. It's great. But I would write to each of the universities independently and ask them about their process. I don't believe there's a sort of UCAS process for the whole of Europe. I may be wrong, but it's something I'd again do your own research and, and really look into it and ask lots of questions and spend time um, online finding out whatever you can. And any webinars, you learn tons of those webinars. Um, so guess, and particularly, um, Oxford and Cambridge are quite difficult because there isn't a sort of overall website for the university. Each college has its own website and they're quite idiosyncratic. They've got a slightly different approach. So go on each one. You have to dig deep to find what's going on that you can join in, um, put your name down for. Uh, but like I say, Aussie will be doing more through my, my papers to try and help um, home educating kids applying for, for Oxbridge over the next year. Yeah. That would be great. And if when this podcast comes out, I always put a post up in our in our Home Education Matters Facebook group. And perhaps you yeah. could put a link there to the webinar that you mentioned and any blogs. Far and wide, Eleanor, I'll share it far and wide for you. <laughs> You'll do what? Sorry. So that I will share it far and wide. Now, I'm <laughs> more and more people are coming into home education. I do think they need to come into it with their eyes open because I get people say uh, will say to me, oh, well, you know, um, your, your kids got better results in at school it, it, it's obviously easy so it's, it really, I, I did that's not the impression I want to give now so I hope today so it's really worth it and go right through your A levels to university it's a fantastic journey but you do need to put the time um, in to do it and if you're working like I have been um, it, it does take over your whole life um, yeah so I know be, be prepared I, I know that when my when my children were younger and we we've home educated all the way through and I look back on those days when they were sort of before their age about 10 11 as like the lovely halcyon golden days of home education where we would just do kitchen experiments and read books yes, and, and since it and yeah and, and of course you don't have to do any of this I mean you don't have to approach exams in this way it's really only if you want to open the opportunity for your child to go to one of these exactly. top tier universities otherwise you can you can carry on just doing the kitchen experiments all the way through you know I look back and I think those those times when we first started although I was concerned about where it was all going to take us it was a a brilliant time to get to know the kids better and I could see their learning styles were so completely different um how they would have survived to get you know school would never have maximized the potential of, of either of them because they they they're unbelievably different but we managed to sort of begin to understand how what worked best for both of them. So I'd say, you know, enjoy those moments together. You will really know your kids and they will know you um, really well. And you're you're going in as always approach it as a student, don't approach it as a teacher. You're there to learn with them. You can't be expected to know the entire GCSE curriculum, every subject. So be prepared to learn together. Yeah, absolutely. I know I remember when my son was learning maths and he was about 10 and he was learning functions and I just mm-hmm. and it was way beyond anything I had done at school I was rubbish at maths anyway and I basically said I said look I'll sit with you and we'll read we were doing life of Fred you know the life of Fred yeah. maths books and I said look I'll sit with you and we can read the stories together but you are now beyond me I can't help you so you <laughs> let's just sit sit together and I asked him to explain functions to me and it took so long and he got and and I just couldn't get it and I said you know what you just you just when it comes to math you can just go and do it yourself it's That's all good. another really good point Eleanor because 
your kids are not you what they will be good at quite different to what you're good at and I do meet a lot of home educators saying you know I didn't do I didn't like chemistry at school so we're not going to do that and I thought well yeah but you're not them they may be brilliant at it um and that it's interesting coming back as an adult I didn't like maths at school but I found actually and, and doing it without a teach to looking over your shoulder thinking oh my god have I got that wrong it was so much better. I could. I, I thought, well, I could, I'm, I'm getting it now. I'm understanding it. But I, I actually found it much easier going back to it than I did um, as a kid. Yeah, and I, I often, you, you know, you said about how you know all the different GCSE sort of specifications. I often think I could sit a GCSE in. Well, I mean, between my children now, we've done 15 different GCSEs. I could easily sit 15 GCSEs now because. I just know all of the different subjects. You'll see different. how it all joins up as well, though, how they all fit and come to, and, and you think, yes, each career can come out of doing that. If I choose these, I can be this, I can do that, I can keep growing my interests. And you even see teachers, though, so they all want to upend the whole curriculum and, and start again. And I think, no, if you've done it as a home educator, where you're seeing like you and me, I saw 11 together, you saw 15. You have a very broad understanding of the whole thing and how it works but if you go down that one road so I'm an English teacher I'm a maths teacher and I've got a big problem with this or a big problem with that you feel like you want to upend the whole system it works if you approach it carefully and enjoyably without stress and pressure it's fantastic there's 230 schools I think 200 sorry 230 countries in the world following the UK curriculum so um other other people do believe in it including me yep so for anyone listening who uh, wants to find out any more about exams we have an an episode all about sitting exams mainly GCSE so this is about what subjects to choose when to sit them how to sit them approaching exam board exam centers choosing your exam board we've got a podcast all on that Uh, so if you look back in the files you'll find that in whatever streaming service you're listening to this on and we've also got for those of you that that has a child that just wants to get through GCSEs and doesn't want necessarily to to get a, a large amount or to go to Oxbridge. Uh, we also have an exam hacks podcast, which is very helpful and just a sort of like if you want to if, if your child is basically just come out of school at 15 and you're scraping your way through the system, that's also a really helpful episode. So we've now got three episodes on exams and they're all coming at it from a very different approach. One is very much about the logistics of it. Uh, that is uh, an episode with Iram Malik. And then we have an episode with Chitana Greenwood, which is about exam hacks and pretty much sort of the easiest route to get through GCSEs for those of you uh, whose child really is reticent. And then now today with Emma White looking at how to get into these really top tier universities and how to structure your time and your home education journey to allow your child to have as many opportunities as possible later in life. So Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure talking. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.